Nice, uh, good articulation, <laughs> stable. So you like this better? There's one engineer and two money nerds. Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we share the tools to improve your finances. That's the part I forgot. Oh, uh, the sharing. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And we unfold the roadmap to financial independence. Welcome. Here we are. Back in the garage. Cheers. Literally, we are in the garage. We are as distance as we can be, but we've set up the microphones again, and we are drinking beer in the garage together, like the good old days, boys. Cheers. 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 And a uh, very, very special episode, of course, because we all are here, but it was suggested earlier in the week that uh, there's a particular theme for tonight. What is that, the accountant? It's salmon pack night. Salmon pack night. And to be fair, it wasn't suggested by anyone other than us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we just felt like a salmon pack we night. We felt like it was a salmon pack night. Well, I you know, I do have to admit that when I'm away at work, the the old salmon packs are quite popular. Well, how could they not be? I mean, we are involved in the forestry industry in British Columbia, so that's kind of that and fishing, that's where the yeah. majority of lucky gets drank. Now, we should disclose to people who do not have ready access to lucky lager that a 15 pack of lucky lager has a large salmon on the case. Right. We refer to it as a salmon pack, hence salmon pack episode. We've all got packs of Lucky Lager. Yeah, yeah. And basically, you know, when you're out here fishing, you need a couple pops. You I know, have res- Responsibly, you're going to have a beer while you're fishing, and uh, yeah. it's, you grab the salmon pack. Or gonna... if you're camping. Yeah. You're camping, you bring a salmon pack. Now, let's get into the dirty side of this. Okay. You want to tell the truth? Yeah. The, the the truth needs to come out here. Oh, okay. uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, we couldn't actually find the salmon pack today because that was very disappointing. It's like they've got some kind of uh, retro labeling going on on their 15 pack boxes. Anyway, we do have a picture that we'll throw in the show notes so you can uh, admire our Chinook salmon on the box. And, you know, on that picture that we pulled up, I put on the Twitter feed there, it says Vancouver Island's own. Right. Right? Which just ain't true. It just ain't true. I mean, that's where it all gets drank. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And yeah. I did find a, an interesting article. Uh, it's good for a bit of a laugh. And the, the catchphrase on it is, local, not lucky. Friends don't let friends drink foreign-owned macro swill. <laughs> now, this is yeah. not reflecting our opinion of lucky. I'm just giving you the truth, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> so, Vancouver Island's original lucky lager, the box is proclaimed next to an illustration of man in waders hauling a giant Thai salmon. So that's what we're talking about on the box. And uh, so the gentleman writing this article, or I, who I assume is a gentleman, whoever's writing this article, because I didn't see the name, uh, he says that, you know, he moved back to Vancouver Island, and as he walked into the first liquor store, there was a six-foot-high pyramid of familiar red and white cartons of beer, Vancouver Island's original lucky lager, the box is proclaimed. And... <laughs> I like this where he says, for the unfamiliar, if you're not from BC or from the island more particularly, this is an ubiqu- ubiquitous site on Vancouver Island in just about every fridge, in the back of every pickup truck, and the bottom of every roadside ditch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. That checks out. Uh, yeah, if you've driven down a logging road on Vancouver Island. Logging road on Vancouver Island, there's a lot of discarded salmon packs. Yeah, you could get one step closer to five yeah, every right? time picking up 10 cents worth of uh, 
Lucky Lager can. So anyway, the truth about Lucky Lager is that it is an American beer brand that began in San Francisco and made its way north in the 1950s with the itinerant American loggers who came to work the summers in BC. So Labatt ended up buying the brand. Right. And it actually was briefly brewed on Vancouver Island until they closed in 1982. Right. So, do you know where it's brewed now? Only because I read the article. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't read the article. I'm going to take a wild stab at this and say Creston. No, that's Kokanee. No, it's not even brewed in BC. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Okay, so I'll I'll finish off the uh, history lesson here. So, it actually got bought by Imbev, AB Imbev, because I believe they must own Labatt. Yeah. Yes, they do. And so, they actually brew Vancouver Island's own Lucky Lager in Edmonton, Alberta, 1,200 kilometers away from Vancouver Island. That's a lot of shipping costs. It is. Isn't it ridiculous? Yeah. Why wouldn't... There's nobody else drinking Lucky other than Islanders. I don't even know if you can buy it in Edmonton. I used to be able to buy it when I went to school in Calgary. Yeah. You could get it at uh, I, I'm Next store. time in Edmonton, because I have some family out there, I'm going to the it. Lucky Tap Room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I'm from the island. I want some ta- Lucky on tap. <laughs> you used to be able to get 60 Lucky for $61 when I went to the University of Calgary. Wow. That was that those was the deal the of the days. century. Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> Jeez, we're really dating ourselves. All right, so we're back on the show together, which is super exciting. We've rambled on about our beers. It is Lucky Lager. It is easy drinking. That's what we're going to do this whole episode, isn't it? Ramble on. Ramble on. Yeah. Well, I can't say our content's been... Uh, it hasn't been on the level of Rational Reminder recently, but uh, not quite as bad as, you know, like Bob and Duck. What's wrong with Bob and Doug? Why are you throwing Canadian treasures under the bus? Exactly. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying we're trying to fit in somewhere in between. Huh? I don't, I don't, That's a I pretty don't, high goal. Yeah. yeah. I like. I like how you you set your goal high. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Do you mean Bob and Doug giving financial independence advice? That's you want pretty to be much above that. Slightly above. Oh, okay. That. Yeah. All right. That oh, makes sense. Oh yes. Of course. My lovely dogs are in the garage with us. Where are you? We got two or one? Quiet. We got, we we got, got both. We got both. We got both. Yeah. Quiet over there, small dog. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we've kind of forgotten how to do this in person. There's a lot of distractions around here, not just my computer screen. So what oh, do well, At we... least we have a lot of lucky logger to get us through it. <laughs> and pizza. And pizza. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out to Willow's Pizza in Victoria. Yeah. Oh, they visiting. are the best. Uh, Willow's Pizza is fantastic. Uh, so, well, we may have a bonus after this episode. We don't want to maybe drop this because the spouses may weigh in on some of our comments from the last episode, there's or they may zero, not. There's a 0% chance we're getting her on the mic. <laughs> but she is coming over, so who knows? Right. Um, well, one of the things I did listen to, speaking of the rational reminder, was their interview with Michael Kitsis. Right. Did you get a chance to listen to that one? I don't think you did, I Economist. Didn't. No. Oh, I definitely did. Yeah. Who's Michael Kitsis? What? I said, who's Michael Kitsis? I heard you, but I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) If you don't know who this guy is, you got to go down a rabbit hole. Okay. I mean, he's... He does a lot of really interesting stuff with withdrawal rates. Yeah. And like safe withdrawal and drawing down in retirement. Okay. I'm woefully inept at giving you the Coles notes on that because I've just listened to him on a whole bunch of different podcasts and stuff, but he's got uh, a pretty interesting blog. Mm-hmm. He writes a lot of information directly to financial advisors. He's in the U.S., but he speaks broadly to yeah. the to the subject of um, finance and, like you mentioned, withdrawal strategy and things like that. But he's just a super smart guy, and he's thought a lot about all sorts of situations. And what got me, from our point of view, the financial independence side, is listening to that recent episode was he was discussing, because we've all talked about sequence of return risks before. Mm-hmm. 
and that the first few years of your early retirement, if there's a market downturn, could really impact your nest egg yes. negatively, and you could basically ruin your retirement. Totally. So he, I, I apologize, because I can't remember off the top of my head whether he proposed this or whether it was just a discussion that had come up that he brought up. Was it going really conservative with more bonds in your portfolio just for those first few years mm-hmm. to get you past that sequence of return risk right. time. Because you like maybe you'd go 50-50, yeah. right? So you're still going to capture some equity gains, but you're going to be a lot more protected from the downside volatility. And yeah. then he says you get more aggressive as you get older. So if you make it to 65, 70, 80, you're going to ramp up your equities. Yeah. Because you don't have those sequence of return risks anymore. The good, there's a good chance you've made it through the beginning. Your portfolio has grown mm-hmm. to a huge amount. And so, I understand where you're coming from on that, but why not just have a cash hedge? Or like, why put 50% of your portfolio in bonds? Like, you're not getting yeah, that, anything out of it. Like, why not just take, okay, well, I'm just going to take five years worth of living expenses put it into cash and then there is no sequence of return risk because I'm not withdrawing for another five years. Or what about a plan B? So I'm going to retire, but if the markets all tank, well, then I'm going to go back to work. Yeah. Right? Is that an option? Well, I guess we're, I mean, if we're talking early retirement, that's an option. Yes. Yeah, I guess that's true. But that's one of the problems I have, you know, we listened to all this content and a lot of it is so focused on the traditional retirement model right. that it's hard to take that thought process and adapt it and, and kind of reverse engineer it and say, okay, now we want to talk about it for people that are 35, mm-hmm. 45, exactly. 55, right? Like yeah. decades different. Does that apply? Yeah. Well, and that's again where I prefer the, what's your cash flow? What are your investments actually actively earning you in like- Without having to draw down, because that's where you get yourself into trouble. Yeah. You know, what are your, what are your dividends? What are your, you know, if you're making 4% in dividends, mm-hmm. which a lot of stocks these days are yielding, and a lot of them are relatively yeah. safe at that level, well then, okay, I can live off 4% and I don't, like, I'm not selling anything, so who cares? Yeah. Did either of you know what you, um, I guess, investment return would have been this year compared to last if you held the same things? Would you have had an income dip given the huge crash? Do you know? Uh, are you I talking about like from a this. cash flow point of view? Yeah, or a total absolutely return? cash flow. Just cash flow. Like, so you're talking, did we get any dividend cuts that hit our, right. our monthlies, basically? Yeah. I had a couple cuts, but then I also had a couple raises. So it kind of just all evened out in the wash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't track... Uh, I don't track my dividends close enough, like exactly. from a stock on yeah. stock point of view. I do read about it when there was, there's been some cuts and there's been some raises, like you said. I, you know, it's not a big enough part of I, – I, well, a, a, I'm not drawing down or using exactly, the cash so I'm not paying attention to it, it, right? It might be something to pay attention to the three, four, five years. Or it might have been something to pay attention to this year just for fun, Right. To get that knowledge about what happens if this happens in the year I retire, how is it going to impact me? Right. And I mean, it's something we can all do retroactively too. That's true. Right. But I think too, is you're going to look at if you're going to, if you've got passive income from, we're speaking dividends now, right? Yeah. If you're, say your your goal is to achieve 
a minimum wage salary from your dividends every year. Like Mark Seed posted that on his Twitter there. Yeah. He wants to get kind of like $16 an hour in a 40-hour right. work week, right? Yeah. which is a great idea. So that comes out to about, what was it? Do you remember what the number was? $19,000? Well, it's 2,000 hours. 2,000 hours times. times yeah. So sixteen, sixteen $16,000 right now. 32000 but yeah. <laughs> Let's leave the math to us. <laughs> I just want to be known that I got all the microphones set up. <laughs> I'm the I'm the tool guy. <laughs> well, hey, I installed a window myself today. Oh, I know nice. I'm looking that, right at that it. That one right, right there. There is a window in the garage that I installed today. Wow. So it's my DIY money saving nice. project of nice. the month. Even though I've had that window for three months, it is clean. Fence. It's very clean. It is. It yeah. is very clean. You, the accountant, built a fence. I did. I'm yeah. impressed. Yeah, that's good. No blood. Uh, no, actually. That's, wow, that's, that's rare. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually have blood. <laughs> I have some blood from the window install. Well, there so, you yeah. go. Flashing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to do a lot of cutting and grinding. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Yeah, I guess we do. So now, did you guys hear about, speaking of drawdowns, that Vanguard came out with the V-Riff? Stealing the segues, eh? <laughs> stealing the segue. What do you mean, stealing the segue? I'm the one who was telling you about it. Bull****. <laughs> I posted it on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know that. <laughs> Go ahead. VRIF. This is an interesting product. Tell us about it. It's very interesting. Okay, well, what is it? Tell us what it is first, because we always get too far into these things and don't right, tell our listeners right. what the hell we're talking so about. So it's a new ETF launched by Vanguard, and the goal of the ETF is to pay out 4% every year. All-in-one ETF. All-in-one ETF. Their, yeah. um, pay out 4% every year. and Monthly. Aim, monthly. Monthly income. And aim for five percent total growth. Okay, and then well, uh, any ETF can have goals. <laughs> <laughs> this show has goals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. <laughs> our financial yeah. goals have not quite been met. We we could start an ETF, and our goal could be eight percent and ten percent total return. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that, but it's a relatively low management fee. Um, point two two. Point two two. Yeah, believe it's going to be fifty fifty equity bonds. It is fifty yeah. fifty. Yeah, and it and holds Vanguard funds. They're and holding it, eight. Of yeah, the four and four. Yeah. But I mean, the interesting part is if if this succeeds and they manage a four percent monthly payout, uh, haven't you just solved your whole four percent rule? isn't vanguard just doing it for you do you think they were listening to the fire community and they're like why don't we just build a fire fund we'll we'll just build a fund that pays you four percent every year yeah i don't know are you buying some maybe i will i hadn't thought about it but you know just as an experiment maybe i'll buy some shares okay so here's the question and somebody posted it uh again i can't remember where the discussion came from but there i did post this in the facebook group for those of you that missed it out there and it is, of course, you can go look at it on the Vanguard Canada website where they break everything down. But the question was, is is there going to be return of capital in there? Because if they can't meet their 4% goal, Will does they? it eat into the underlying assets? Right. Well, their goal is 5% total return. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two well, thumbs up. <laughs> Two thumbs up for that. But I'm saying is like, what yeah. if, you what can't if they make, can't? <laughs> what if they can't even make the 4% monthly? Yeah. Well, it's not 4% a month. It's 4% annually that gets paid Paid out monthly. monthly. Let's not try to pretend that you're getting a 4% return every month. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. 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 We need the account to nail that out. Yeah. But it's a 4% return annually paid monthly. I think that's the critical part though, is because it's an, they call it an income fund. Right. Right. Yeah. So the composition for those of you playing along at home 
is, uh, like you mentioned, Economist, there's eight funds. Uh, so it's the Canadian corporate bond. It's interesting they've got 24% of Canadian corporate bonds in there. So they've gone for a higher risk bond, hey? Yeah. To try and get those returns up. Well, you mm-hmm. need to get yield from somewhere, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we know government bonds and long-term bonds are, are not doing great. And they probably aren't going to be for a while. So, okay, so they've got the corporate bond index, 24%, which is pretty big. They've also got a... X, a global X US aggregate bond. Okay. Right. 22%. So that's a pretty big global that's, position in that too. Yeah. That's a ton of money in bonds. So then they have tiny, two other tiny bond portfolios? They do. Yeah. They've got a Canadian aggregate bond for 2%. It's like, why did you even bother to throw that in there? Yeah. What's the point? Like, yeah, you've already got the Canadian corporate. I mean, the aggregate bond's going to have corporate and government as far as I. Yeah, understand, yeah. Right? yeah. And then they threw in a US aggregate one for 2% as well. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, I guess the managers of those funds wanted to make a little bit of commission on it. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> okay. So that's the bond component, which is the 50%, which we're talking so about. So basically, a lot of Canadian, a well, lot of. Well, I'd say a lot of global and a lot of corporate. Right. And no US. Not very much US at all. Yeah. Yeah. And then from the equity portion of it, we've got. Um, basically a developed all cap X North America. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a, a global international for 22% equities, yeah. which is pretty big. And then they're running a U.S. total market for 18%. And one of the things I do agree with here is that they've dropped down the Canadian all cap index ETF down to just 9%. So right. is that VCN? It would look like VCN. V- it look like VCN. Yeah, it look yeah. like VCN, which is another Vanguard fund, which is all Canadian. I think that's appropriate because now they're getting down to a little less Canadian right. exposure. Well, except for the massive bond exposure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, massive corporate yeah. bond exposure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they also threw in 1% of emerging markets just to round off the package. Just right. to, just for a flyer? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I haven't looked. Have you looked at the – they don't really have – they have an all-in-one bond product, don't they, Vanguard? I believe they do. Oh, testing my memory here. You guys are uh, looking at me like I'm yeah. the only one that does this. Like, research. why would we research a bon- all-in-one bond product? Yeah, I'm not well, buying an all-in-one bond. I guess what I was trying to get at is, did they just take their two all-in-one products and mm. cut them in half and blend them together? Right. Like, why wouldn't you just do this yourself? Why wouldn't you just take VQT? Yeah. And and like an all-in-one bond and just stuff them together fifty-fifty. Right. Well, and I mean that's kind of. The question with well, this, I guess are they gonna? Sorry to they interrupt, won't spit but out, they won't yield the same. Are they gonna sell some of their holdings to fund this four percent? Is that why you wouldn't do it yourself? I mean, it's got to be right because I don't think any of the things you just listed are anywhere close to yielding four percent. So it's not like they're getting that in cash. So they've got to be selling something. So is it a perpetual well, rebalancing? I think they got to be counting on equity growth, right? I mean, if if the equity markets on average over the last, mm-hmm. you know, historical average is 7%. Right. And you're 50% of your portfolios in equities, you're, and then you've got your fixed income side, the bond side, you're going to be able to average your four with your target of five. Right. Right. That's yeah. what I read in between the lines. No, there. but they're going to be selling some of the product. They, yeah, they, they must they have to. But I mean, again, if the 4% rule holds true, which... Again, a lot of the 4% rule is just based off of US markets and not global and right. not all that other diversity stuff. Yeah. 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 So, but if that holds true, then this product would work. But like, my question is what happens if it fails? Right. And the 4% rule holds true. Is there uh, something wrong with your lucky? 
What do you mean? Oh, You're wow. one behind Yeah, us. you are okay. one behind. <laughs> yeah, I'm back in. <laughs> the 4% rule works more often when it's higher weighted equities, right? <laughs> I missed the recycling bin yeah. in a big way. <laughs> it was on the other side of the... <laughs> I love being back in the garage. Saturday, Saturday. (laughs) Sorry, please go on. I'm just trying to interrupt you as much as you did. (laughs) But no, what was I saying? Uh, Mm. Mm -hmm. Something. (laughs) Oh, no, the 4% rule works more often when you have a higher weighted equity. Right. Portfolio. So Especially like, so this product has 50% bonds. Yeah which are at almost no yield right now. So you're going to take 50, like that seems to me more risky than going higher equity right now. The, well, I'll disagree with you because 24% of the corporate bonds, which aren't low yield, those are risky, higher yield corporate bonds. True. That's a fair point. Mm-hmm. So I think what happens is if the 4% rule holds up, the product holds up. And if it doesn't, the product doesn't hold up. So so if we're still around in 30 years, we're going to have to do this episode on, did this work out? All right. Yeah. So what do we need to do here? A little Rochambeau to see which one of us is just going to go 100% into this well, and see what but, happens in But I don't years. think we want to because it kind of ties our hand because we can't do the other things. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. they're always giving us 4% in income, we can't do the things like go back to work or spend less because we just keep getting pumped 4% out of this VRIF. Well, I think what you're going to see, and you guys have been talking about it, is that, like, uh, where is it here? Let me find it. Do you even see what the value? Oh, here's the value of the fund. It's $25, mm-hmm. $24.99. That's always what they start funds yeah, at. It's going to be that forever. More or Basically, less. Basically. Right? More or less. Like, you're not going to capture any growth in capital. I mean, unless we have a huge crash or a huge boom. Right. Right? Yes. Yeah, but I think that's kind of the goal of the fund, right? Is mm-hmm. to maintain shares at twenty five dollars and yeah. give you income every yeah. month. Yeah, like well, if they could, if they can have a four percent payout that's paid out monthly and maintain the value of the fund, I would say that that's a success for what they're trying yeah. to achieve. Yeah, well, basically the whole fire community just goes, "All right, not much left to talk about here now." Yeah, <laughs> so we're done. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> but it's awfully boring. But it's no, so it, but boring. it. it Gives you no options. Speaking of. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Don't make me tell my sad option story. Oh, you have a sad, uh, you weren't part of the options episode. I know, but I've been playing at home. Well, let's hear. Are we done with V-Riff? I think so. We're not, are you buying? I'm not buying. I'm not buying. I'm not buying either. You know, I, I still use. I'm not buying the product and I'm not buying into the product either. You're not buying into the sales pitch of the product. Right. Yeah. I mean, it will be interesting to track and see what happens with it, but... Is it an option to transition into later on? That's maybe what we need to ask the question. Okay, but then here's an argument for you. I know everybody hates this word, but I'm going to say it anyway. Annuity. Like, if you're that scared of things, like... Basically, yeah. Yeah. Is it time to buy an annuity and just lock something? Like, if you say, hey... Or get into a tontine. (laughs) Or get into a tontine, one of the two. (laughs) But if... You know, if you're like, say you're somebody who's 80 right now and they say, oh, I want that 4% of what's left in my portfolio and I know whatever, it's not going to run out. Well, you might be somebody where an annuity actually makes sense. Absolutely. So. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I know briefly what an annuity is and 
generally it's an expensive way to guarantee yourself that's right income you yeah. pay a lot of administration yeah. and yeah. risk it's insurance yeah. it's insurance. you're buying yeah. insurance but there's a time and place for it absolutely right. and i think it does make sense for some certain people in certain situations mm-hmm. yeah right? i mean it gets a bad rap because you get a lot of crappy people selling crappy products to people who don't need them yes but there are situations in which annuity is the right choice for certain people. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the fire community, you might purchase an annuity that you don't start taking until you're 85, which would protect you from longevity risk. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You know, because if you're buying it today for a hundred grand, yeah. right? And you're not planning on using Chances it for 45 years, you know, <laughs> yeah, like it's a big insurance policy to have, but I mean, it might be... Mm-hmm huge right well and because they'll give you a lot of money if you put the money in today well and the thing is is for super early retirees it can be an option because if you have okay well i've got 30 years but i want to guarantee that past 30 years if you're 30 now and you want your annuity to start at 60 and you buy it now yeah you've taken a lot of the risk out of your sequence of return risk because now you don't have to make it an infinite amount yeah. of time you, you would go. need to make it 30 years and then yeah. your annuity kicks in yeah <laughs> so well it's interesting that you bring that up too because there's lots of people in the fire community because on explorify canada we've done a pension show recently talking about people 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 did i say people people <laughs> you said a lot of peas <laughs> but you didn't actually say yeah. any words ah <laughs> uh, lucky <laughs> let me just clear my palate yeah go ahead perfect <laughs> It was a P word for you. Yeah. <laughs> a point taken. First slice. <laughs> so we discussed pensions, whether it's defined contribution or defined benefit. And the fact that there's some options that come with those later on if you want to choose to commute the value of them. And I won't get into that whole discussion because we've already had it on the other show. But it's looking at pensions, annuities, things like that. And even our own systems that we have, whether it's CPP, OAS, mm-hmm. things like that, that we need to take into account or certain people need to take out in their planning. Yeah. Even if you're retiring at 35 or 40, I mean, 40, probably you're going to have some of those other benefits that have built up to a A reasonable level, a reasonable level that you really need to take into account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, again, reading uh, an article where they were talking about and somebody that basically worked a really crappy job that they really didn't like. And when they retired, and I'm talking about traditional retirement yeah. here. They yeah. retired at 65, but they found they loved making, I think this was from the Kitsis podcast, wasn't it? She's making window coverings. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So she's like loving making these window coverings. All of a sudden she's making like 10 to 15 grand a year in window coverings. Yeah. Was it 20? It was quite a bit of money anyway. Mm-hmm. It was a decent chunk. Yeah. But if she'd done the math before, mm-hmm. she would have been able to quit work two years earlier. Sure. Yeah. But I so all these that, things are like. But doesn't that go back to the age old thing? Like, if you absolutely hate your life every day, change it change now. Like, Fi's not going to save anything. Like, no, do something now. I think people that are locked in with you know golden handcuffs, they don't. It's hard to make that change. Sure, but I mean, you hear too many. I, I literally just had this in my own life of somebody that I know retired, and the day after their retirement party. They were diagnosed with terminal cancer and they passed away last week. Oh, God. Sorry to hear that. And like, it was like, and now this guy liked his job. Wasn't, it's not a bad, but it's still terrible to hear. But I mean, that can happen to people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Like you, you can't bank every, like, I'm not saying you can throw away your future, but you also can't bank everything on the future. Right. Right. 
Like, yeah. you got to have a pretty good balance. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's where it comes back to what we were saying about maybe you got to... Okay, well, we talked about this show before. He, he did way better at the <laughs> he did do way better. recycle. Yeah, did you tell him that's the garbage and not the recycle? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Okay. Well. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, well, you're up. Uh, get another round. Another round. Garçon. Salmon packs are great. Oh. This is going to be unedited raw. The garage <laughs> coming to you raw. <laughs> Hey, wait, I'm still behind on the pack drinking here. I don't want to have to shotgun. You you better shotgun. Yeah, you probably should shotgun. Okay, so so a little segue. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to another content creator out there, Norbert Kalai. Uh, That's going to be an upcoming interview on Explorify Canada. Anyway, he's got some YouTube videos out there. Wait, wait, wait. Is this the FI Garage or the Pump Explore FI Canada show? It's Pump Explorify Canada show. Gotcha. Yeah, no. No, no. At least we know what's going on. Yeah. (laughs) so anyway he's got some youtube videos and he does finance fridays which are pretty good for people that want to check it out but he's also got in there if you dig into his youtube channel there's one where these bunch of guys are sitting around in the backyard and they've got two beers sitting by their feet uh-huh and then everybody else is playing lawn darts, darts at him that's oh, called darts, that's darts. called beer darts i've never seen this before yeah it's it's a dangerous game because you always end up getting a dart in the ankle. In the, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, in the minute. And then the worst part is somebody always hits your beer with the dart on like the top. So shotgunning, it becomes like impossible, but you have to as part of the game when you get hit with the dart. Right. So you basically, if the beer gets hit with the dart, you've got to shotgun the beer. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like a great game for your 20s. And that was the last time I played it. There was in my 20s. Early (laughs) 20s. And I'm sure that's when Norbert was playing it too. So we're not uh, (laughs) suggesting that. But I was just, I've never seen that before. uh, We should just like 50th birthday, play beer darts. See what happens. (laughs) Why are you looking at me? That's a long way away. (laughs) I was saying I'm definitely the closest. I'm the closest. (laughs) All right. V-Riff. We we dealt with all that stuff. Mm -hmm. What else is new? What's going on? You need a haircut. No. Hair's good. Rocking yeah. it. You know how much money I've saved? <laughs> oh, me too. I've just been cutting my own. Right. Okay, About maybe... 30 bucks a month, right? Okay, well, okay. What are some of the things? Here we are in September. It's been six months. What aren't you spending on? Obviously, like I've gone out and bought food and beer, apart from takeout, like at an establishment. We sat on a patio twice this summer, I think. I don't think I even did that. Yeah. Once. Once. I, and you know what? It honestly felt a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of like, sure. Eh, well, uh, yeah. The other thing too is, I mean, not so much now because we just moved, and there's a lot of expenses that go along with that. <laughs> Lifestyle inflation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, but uh, at the start of this, when we were just you know locked in the house, other than going insane, you realize how little money you can live off of. Totally right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you always hear people chime in they're like i can live on twenty five thousand dollars a year and you're like what that's a frugal ridiculous like extreme lifestyle but it's really not it's not no. impossible yeah yeah you, are you gonna track your spending this year and maybe see how it relates to like you asked about dividend income right. this year yeah are you gonna look at your spending in 2020 and see how it relates to other years do you think there's enough of a benchmark to go by to see if there's some big changes or? I, I didn't give myself a raise this year so yeah um it's about the same as last year. Well, my income is substantially down this year. Oh, really? It is. Sorry, my income is higher, but my spending's the same. Okay. Um, I guess more of my spending's on car payments, though. <laughs> <laughs> that car seems really unnecessary right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, because it's the only way to travel. 
Okay, so true. Spe- speaking of your Tesla, I don't know if anybody else caught this in the news, but on yeah, <laughs> do you know the story? Yeah, go ahead, tell the story then, because I I know what it is, but not exactly. Okay, well, in uh, a young man from BC, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was yeah. Uh, caught in Alberta, fully reclined, yeah, in his Tesla, um, having a nap, right? Asleep, yeah, at one hundred and forty k. No, oh, they. Somebody called him in, and so the police showed up, and he was doing 80, right? But then when the police lit him up, all the cars in front of him pulled over. (laughs) And his speed was set at 150, so he accelerated away from the police's... (laughs) The car accelerated. Yeah. He's asleep. He's asleep. The car accelerated as soon as it had room to move. I don't think I would ever have faith in my vehicle. I get it that the self-driving is pretty good, but to just... Have a no, nap? no. And he he's obviously uh, a mechanic or a techie guy because he's played with the car to let it do that oh, without yeah. his manual input. Okay. Because okay. the car asks you for input every minute or so. Oh, does it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So he he's so done he's, something he's with the OS. He's done some hacking in the operating system. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Interesting enough, though, with that, because I drive rental cars all the time, mm-hmm. and I do drive the ones that have the adaptive cruise control that you can set at a very high speed, right. and when there are no cars in front of you, it will accelerate to that. It yeah. doesn't ask you right. if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Great story about the Tesla. Yeah. Anyway, moving on, back to finance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the FI Garage, and we had a car coming into there for a change. Hey, nice. hey, there we go. <laughs> no cars in the garage anymore. No, that's nice. Yeah. It's nice not having the car in here. So, 2020 spending. My income's way down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You bought a boat. That's, see, I look at that as a. <laughs> that That's a 2010 expense? It's, it's a net neutral. Okay. How's that? Because I told you, there was there were trips planned that got canceled. Mm. So, so it's your vacation boat. It's, <laughs> it's vacation exactly. boat. Uh, what else is it really? Come on. Yeah. I mean, let's be fair. It was under $15,000. Uh-huh. And it was cash. Right. What's the big deal? There is no big deal. Yeah. Uh, Stop bugging me. Well, do you not remember what boat stands for? Yeah, bring on another thousand. Exactly. <laughs> is there more? There's lots more. I There's think a that, lot more. Yeah, you know, I'm sure some listeners are going to throw in some other ones. Yeah. But that's basically the same as Ford. Fix a, found on the road dead, right? Yeah. 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 Fix or repair daily. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's got to be other boat ones too. Yeah, there must be. Mm-hmm. But no, the nice thing is about being a mechanic is it's only bring on, you know, Several hundreds. (laughs) (laughs) You got to buy the parts. Yeah, bring on another 300. Yeah, but I was at freaking Home Depot today. Lumber's expensive. Parts are expensive, man. Yeah, doing it yourself, I don't know if it's that much of a savings anymore. I don't know if it is. Like, that's got to be the one place where people have spent more money in 2020 than anywhere else is like the Home Depots, the house projects, things like that. For sure. Well, I'd be curious whether they've jacked the prices up across the board without us really paying attention to it because I wouldn't know what a price of a two by four was right. last year or what it is this year. Yeah. Well, and I look at it and I'm borderline handy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the fringe of being useful. We are in the garage. Should we yeah. test this out? Yeah, right. What tool we are you the- able to use safely? <laughs> but, you know, like I built the one of the fence panels that the new house needed put up. So I put up a new fence panel today, dug the hole, put in the post, all that stuff. But I'm sure somebody who does this for a living, it would take them like an hour. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, it took me three or four hours. Now, one, because I went to Home Depot and they didn't have the lumber that I needed, so I had to drive around town. But then you're also just not organ. Like yeah, at some point you got to look at it. And you don't. Like, you're not. I didn't your... save it. I wasn't wearing my tool belt, so I'm constantly exactly. walking back and forth the saw to the fence to grab the, you know, <laughs> the my tape like... measure. And then oh crap, where's my pencil? Like yeah. I'm just not efficient at it. Did you get any joy from it? I d- I see. I do enjoy building. Okay, things, well that's so that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm the same way, right? It's like, are you going to save a hundred bucks from having a contractor come in and do it? Probably. Is it worth it for your time? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But did you learn something? Did you enjoy it? Or do you have more skills now? That's the way I look at do-it-yourself. Well, and did you earn the salmon pack you're drinking tonight? <laughs> right. See, I did. I literally did because I sold the tunnel cover that came out of our old Pathfinder that came with the truck that nice. I've had for eight years that was worth <laughs> zero used. dollars until today. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> So I got a free salmon bag. I don't know how you're paying for yours. But I mean, of all those things you listed, I mean, the $100 is good. Yeah. And the feeling of accomplishment. I agree. Right? Yeah. Those are the two things that really make it worth it. Yeah. You know, this this little window project, I, I was kind of dreading it. I've never installed a window before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how hard can it be? I fixed yeah. a freaking helicopter. Like, it right. can't be that hard. It's a window. Yeah. But, you know, you watch the YouTube videos and you're like, okay, well, and it because it's like a... <laughs> portal from the inside to the outside of your house yeah. you're like i don't want to mess this up and as soon as i start the project there is no i'll finish it tomorrow and here we are in right. September, yeah you can't Victoria. just have a yeah. goal a hole inside of <laughs> yeah. your house yeah. there's no like this is going to be a week-long yeah. project it's like today and so yeah i ripped out the old window and i'm like oh, well first of all hope i measured right to order the window. right yeah that's a, a big order. one yeah so get the window out and i'm like oh not quite fitting yeah <laughs> so break out more tools and start cutting and grinding and the uh money mechanic wife comes downstairs and asks if everything's all right and no 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 major amounts of blood were lost so yeah. it's all good but <laughs> yeah i I, I, I got to say, I was waiting for the window to just, like, fall over. As he was speaking. <laughs> yeah. That would have been <laughs> just fall yeah. Slam the garage door and yeah. the window goes that way. Yeah. I, no, I did think about that, actually. <laughs> um, but you know what? When it was all said and done, I was like, that wasn't that hard. Why did I fret about it so much, right? And it's like, right. we have this point where we, we, we're fearful because we don't know. Because we haven't done it. And it, I'm yeah. going to bring this right back into a money discussion because mm-hmm. I think we all back in the day we're thinking that way right it's that fearful of what do i what's that first investment right and it's like what if i pick wrong yeah and it's like well you're only investing you know it's only a 400 hundred dollar window if i drop it break it totally screwed up yeah i might have to hire somebody to do it mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world and it's like if you put 500 dollars into vigro and it, it's not gonna go to zero right right and if you screw up it might cost you 20 or 30 bucks there's yeah. somebody out there, isn't there? No, I no. Look at the window. But I think that's. I'm just coming back to the point where uh, we all have the sort of the fears of things we've never done before and the inexperience, right? To overcome, but especially financially. I mean, think of the things that you have wasted money on without giving a second thought to, right? Instead of doing it yourself. No, no. Just you know, okay, you bought that thing. Yeah. Out of. Uh, or, I mean, you know, just, just the mistakes you make. Yeah. And at the time, it's always hard to not see it as a big deal. But then I always try to think to myself, like, in 10 years, will I care? Right. That I made a $1,000 investment and lost? I hope in 10 years that $1,000 means a lot less 
to me than it does right now. Yeah. You know, like you're always trying to grow and mm-hmm. learn more and earn more and all that. So like, just, you got to take it all in stride. So here's my words of advice for the show. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's getting soft spoken. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've been thinking about this, right? The Phi journey is a long one. And it's different for everybody, right? We're all on mm-hmm. different paths and with different destinations. We all right. have different goals. And different that we're trying pit to get stops. To. And yeah, exactly, right? So there's no comparison. There's no competition, none of that. But one thing I have noticed is that as you build up some FU money and the further along you get into the journey, like you're saying, account, the less kind of fear or stress that you have about amounts of money at one point, in, you know, earlier on, I would have been like, <sighs> that's a couple of grand. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not trying to belittle and no. saying it isn't a big deal because a couple of grand is a big deal, but yeah. it's a mindset shift as you get further along this journey. You're much more comfortable with everything. You don't have that right. fear anymore. So you're like, okay, a little bit of volatility, a little bit of loss. If that's my choice for something riskier, that's fine. I can accept that and move on. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and especially like as the next day grows. Yeah. You know, like I've had days where, okay, well, something at the house broke. I, right. I got to fix a hot water heater. 900 bucks. I used to stress about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, 900 bucks. But totally. Then I can also wake up in the morning and my investments can be up three grand. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. oh, do I really, is that really a big deal? I keep hitting this what stupid is spring? freaking attack. What is spring? It's because of the T Rex setup. <laughs> Actually, it might See, be I the can't, T-Rex I setup. can't even hit mine. I'm trying. I can't hit it. Get the duct tape. I'm taping his yeah. hands. We're taping his beers yeah, to his hands. Salmon. So we're playing Edward Forty yeah. hands? That's the next. <laughs> oh, that's the next Sa- episode. Pack. Edward Abs- Forty hands. Yeah. I'm never inviting you guys over again. <laughs> that seems smart. You know, yeah. it's interesting. When we were doing this show uh, via Zoom calls, yeah. zero hangovers. Right. I can guarantee you you're going to be hungover tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can guarantee it too. Sometimes you get lucky. <laughs> oh, ding. And on that note, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for overtime. I thought we were going to go through uh, our comments, questions. Remember we promised that episode? That sounds like overtime, buddy. Yeah.